In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. On this day, we hear the account of an interaction of the God-man Jesus Christ with a young man, as Matthew calls him. We hear the same account, or at least the same event, perhaps told a little differently, as the Gospels each tell, the Gospel writers each tell, of their witness of Christ's interaction with people. So we see different perspectives. And in the Gospels of Mark and Luke, he is described as a rich man and also as a ruler of some sort. The fathers and scholars think that perhaps he was the ruler of one of the synagogues. He is a man that asks the most important question anyone can ask. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Our Lord responds with opening up a dialogue with that man that reveals the structure of the soul that each human being is given. If you have the eyes and ears to see it, you can follow through this dialogue and see how our Lord leads him. So this morning, I hope to guide us through and see this interaction perhaps with new eyes. Our Lord is not just guiding the outward adherence of the com- to the commands that he has given, but or even just a simple and opaque teaching that nobody should be rich. The God-man is rather showing us that it is through and through this interaction that how our whole entire being, our whole selves, needs to be given to the Lord and Creator, the giver of that eternal life that He seeks. This interaction uncovers how each power or part of the soul relates to God. So what are those parts? The soul has a mind which discerns and understands and makes decisions. A part that desires and wants something. And a will which is the practical resolve to accomplish some action. So we have a mind, a desire, and a will. In the person that is righteous or holy, these are all given over and directed towards and by our Creator and they are working together. What we see in the young man with the riches, who perhaps ruled the synagogue, is that they are not working together. He knows what God commands, and even does the practical commandments. He desires eternal life, but it is his will to do the specific thing that God is commanding him to do right then and there that is imperfect and lacking resolve. That man rejects the cure, or his lack, as some of the gospel accounts say, in his life, and he walks away sorrowful, for he wanted a wealthy life full of possessions to last forever. The fathers say that in his mind, he probably had this thought of, I want eternal life exactly as it is now, exactly with all of my things, This is an impulse that goes deep into our human brokenness. We see it played out in the oldest buildings we have on the planet, the pyramids, buried with all the pharaohs buried with their things, thinking that they can take it into the next life. But our Lord seeks to cure this in the young man by telling him to sell all of his things. Christ has guided him to a critical step that he, particularly, needs to take to have true 
eternal life. So, what did he have? He had a mind full of knowledge, but not of guidance, not of going toward Christ. He had pride as a result of this that resulted in him trying to find some sort of trick into getting into the kingdom of heaven without giving up anything. He knows and says and even keeps all of the commandments. Again, another mental activity. And he knows and does all these things that guide human interactions according to the law. Outwardly, we would have called him a good man. And I'm sure many in the crowd did. Maybe even the apostles. But Christ, as Mark says, loves this man. And so our Lord desires that the young man be inwardly good too, not just outwardly. So the rich ruler is a man who believes he knows what is best, but still he feels some sort of lack somewhere in his life. He was simultaneously filled with pride and knowing that somehow there was something more than everything that he already had. And even the disciples are saddened, and perhaps we could read it as somewhat horrified by what Christ says is required to gain eternal life. Mark, in his account, says that Jesus looked at him, loved him, and then said to him, One thing thou lackest. You have all these other things, but you need this one more thing. And that is to give up all you have, sell to the poor, and follow me. So, we have all of the gospel accounts, whether they phrase it as something that the man lacks or the correction to perfection, as we have heard today in Matthew, is that the one thing that he lacks is giving everything he is and has to God to guide. So, we, and our outward actions, there is a relation there, and they can guide us. But Christ is showing us what happens internally with us when we interact with him, when we begin to seek him out. There it shows where something may be lacking within ourselves. There where something may need to be brought closer to perfection. This was an ever-constant work because perfection for a human being is never complete except in Jesus Christ. So what is hidden here in this interaction is our orthodox understanding of what it is to be a full, full human being. And that is to be a saint. And to be a saint is nothing other than a person who has given everything to God with no caveats. Not this section, O oh Lord. This part I want to keep. That is what this gospel is at in the most broad sense for us. That we have nothing, no part of our life for which God cannot speak toward. That person who can do that lacks nothing. They have God, and because they have God, they have reached some measure of a perfect state. It is those who within themselves have their minds, their desires, and their wills directed to God who do as the Lord guides them, in other words, when they are called by our Lord that receive that promise of eternal life. They even taste it in our church. We say that we can even taste the kingdom to come now, experience that eternal life now in some measure by God's grace. So what it is that Christ is pointing and guiding this man towards is a weakness of his will. The will is easily weakened, we hear here, 
here in this gospel by having things, by having possessions. And so here we see that what Christ is telling us is to have a different spirit toward all that is within our sphere. To have a spirit of non-possessiveness, some fathers say. A spirit of having, but not holding tightly. We are called, rather, to be stewards of the things that God has given us, and not simply people who are possessed of things. Matthew calls it a possession. Luke calls it whatever you have. And in Mark's account, he even adds in this, those who trust in their riches. And here is the key. For when you trust in your riches, they will eventually fail you. And this is exactly what Christ is guiding each of us today to acknowledge, to see, and to perhaps reorient ourselves toward our things. So what is this principle of non-possession that I believe Christ is teaching us? It is the principle that we have things, but they do not own us, but rather we use them to the glory of God. We do not put our trust in those things, but our trust in him who is our Lord and creator. The young, rich ruler had a great understanding of the law and even the desire for good things. But an intellectual understanding and a desire are simply not enough. The commandments which Christ lists are all human-centered commandments. It is those six commandments that help us reach the ultimate social virtue. That is, to love your neighbor as yourself. Yet we need to couple this with an internal will to actually follow Christ as he calls us. Without that willingness coupled to that desire and guided by the mind to accomplish those commandments, these are only moral rules. These and thous and do nots and do not do this. But when all of these things are working together, it is guiding us toward a cure. Really, these commandments are what keep us and reveal to us where our desires and where our wills are not aligned to God or aimed toward Christ. And Christ saw exactly what the rich ruler needed. He needed to give up the possessions that controlled him to become perfect. An extremely difficult requirement because he seemed to be a good man, keeping the externals of the law from his youth. The rich man was sincere. Christ loved him for that honesty of his question and for the desire that he did have for eternal life. But his will was not yet perfect. He was unwilling to physically give up what possessed him. The attachment and willingness to keep riches overcame his mind and his desires to have that eternal life. It is a difficult thing that the Lord asks. Even the apostles are at shock, in shock over Christ's command. And our Lord acknowledges the difficulty of it by calling it as hard as, a, hard as this, a camel passing through the eye of a needle. When our wills are weak, or will not follow the mind, you can think of it in this way, or our true desire is, and it won't follow our, our true and good desires, then it is a hindrance to the commission that Christ is giving us. A willful submission to Christ is what is necessary for salvation. Our Creator desires that we become stewards and servants for the one who saves, the God-man, Jesus Christ. 
when he blesses us, then he desires us to have the virtue of non-possessiveness over those things. That we may be freed of the enslavement to things. And rather, we use them as God asks for our own good and for the goods of others. St. Cyril of Alexandria says this, For the Savior has himself showed us how and in what way this can happen, that the rich being saved by giving up their attachment to riches. Make yourself friends out of mammon of the mammon of unrighteousness, the scriptures say, that whenever ye fail, they might receive you into the everlasting tabernacles. As it says in Luke 16:9. When we do the part, do particularly hold our things, not as our own, but as the Lord's, that is what he gives us and helps us to give to the needy then it shows that all parts of the soul are working together, mind, desire, and will. So what are you to do today? How can you not go away sorrowful, but full of joy that the promise of eternal life be given to you? We can follow the simple rule of almsgivings and tithes. We may not all be called to follow the specific word, as perhaps St. Anthony heard when he heard this, story, and he went and sold all he had and disappeared into the desert. Most of us are not called to that, but we are all called in some way. All Christians are called for almsgiving and tithes and giving, finding ways to use what God has given us for the benefit of other, and that in turn will be the benefit for us, for you. It is not what you have or what you own, it is the thing which owns you that Christ is saying, go sell what you possess and give, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Most of us are not called like the rich man or like the monastics of our church to sell all and give it away. But we are all called to have a mind, desire, and will that is consumed entirely by Jesus Christ. For he has and will save and care for all those that give their whole selves and all that they have to him. Most often, this is very practically our money or our status or our wealth that is held tightly. But it could be many other things, things for which we like to consume, things for which we do not want to give over to God, that we think we are somehow securing a pleasurable future, as perhaps that rich young man did, that reveals that we need our wills to be strengthened and that, a faith, that our faith is actually hindered by this. This is because our Lord is teaching us that it is how we use the things that he has given us, and perhaps particularly our finances, as our Lord is telling this man, which shows us where we truly have our wills focused, what truly matters to us, what we actually are going to accomplish. We may desire or think about good ways, but until we have the will to treat all that we have as the Lord's, and know that there, it, there the will is weak and in need of the strengthening, inch of strengthening by the Lord. So if this is where we are at, if we do not count everything as the Lord's, then know that this is how we can practically strengthen our will, to find some small measure to give to our Lord and grow from there. My brothers and sisters, each of you are called to charity, to almsgiving, to the care of the things of the Lord. In other words, we are called to give and follow Christ with our whole selves. If you give some amount, as your desire, your mind, and listening to Christ indicates, 
It trains your will and strengthens it, and it frees you in the most practical way of your love of things that will die off, that will not be buried with you or will be sealed in the tomb, which is actually the reverse. You do not actually have them, but those things possess you and you not them. It does no good to desire and think a lot about what to do. We must, our Lord is telling us, have the will that gets our legs under us, that we may walk to follow Christ. When we do this, eternal life pours out and freedom is experienced by the soul. Every Christian should have a desire, a plan of giving, and a willful action of giving. It is the area of our life where we put our money, our things, our time, that reveals where we are lacking, where we need to seek out the perfection of the Lord in all three parts of our soul. I may be so bold to end with one practical suggestion regarding perhaps finances, that if those of you who may have some hesitation about this, pick some percentage, 1% of something that you have income, and start there. Give it to the Lord through the church, and you will feel a measure of that grace. Test it, the Lord says in Malachi. Test, and I will reward. So, this is one of the few times you are allowed to do this by our Lord, to test him. So do this, and the measure of grace for eternal life will be poured out, I promise you, because our Lord promises it. So let us end with prayer that we can do this. Our Lord and Master of all the cosmos, guide us as you guided the rich young ruler to have minds, desires, and wills that are rightly ordered and structured that when you tell us go, we do not balk and become sad, but like the disciples did when called to, without hesitation, follow you and your words. Help us, guide us each day to give all that we have and all that we are, that we may ha receive eternal life and the fullness of your kingdom, lacking nothing and obtaining the state of the perfect and the blessed. Amen.